if you have your Bible, turn with me to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. And it says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Turn to your neighbor and say, You got favor. Turn to your other neighbor and say, It's because you're sitting next to me. Right, verse 29, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of, of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. The Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. Other translations say, for nothing will be impossible for God. Can you say that with me? Nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible with God. Verse 38, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Let's pray, and we'll jump into the message tonight. Father, we thank you tonight for your presence. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here. Jesus, I thank you that you desire to meet with and speak to every single person. So, Lord, open up our ears. Open up our hearts. God, we don't want a great message, a good time. We want an encounter with you. So, Lord, we give you this moment to you. We ask for your anointing. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, for me, basketball was my favorite sport growing up as a kid. It was probably the thing I was most passionate about. And don't laugh, but my dream as a little kid was to be the next Michael Jordan, right? Maybe I grew up like super confident or or delusional. I'm not sure which one. But I love basketball, and my dream was to be the next Michael Jordan. Now, I was never really good, but I enjoyed basketball. So I remember one Christmas in the 90s, or I won't tell you which year of the 90s, just know it's the 90s. In the 90s, my mom came to me and she said, Sam, I'll get you whatever you want for Christmas this year. I'll get you whatever you want. And the only thing I wanted at that moment was a basketball video game for my Super Nintendo. So I was like, I'll get you whatever. She says, son, I love you. I got you. And I I was hyped, I was excited, and I thought I was going to get like NBA Jam. Who here remembers NBA Jam, right? Boom shakalaka, you know? I thought I was gonna get NBA Live maybe. 2K didn't exist yet because this was the last millennium, you know? But, But the game I ended up getting was a game called NCAA 
Final Four tournament. I don't even know what that is, but my parents worked really hard. My mom promised me she did her best. Maybe the Toys R Us worker lied to her and said, this is the hottest basketball game to get. So she got me this game, and, and I was kind of disappointed. But once again, my parents worked hard. I, I said, thank you. I tried playing it, but it is the most terrible video game I've ever played in my life. Right? In most video games, when you try to dunk, you just press a button, but you got to do like combos just to dunk the basketball. And, and I was pretty disappointed, and, and I still have it here with me today, right? Like, I kept it not because it's a good video game, because my mom tried so hard, you know? So I got what I asked for, but it's not exactly what I wanted. And, and I ended up with something I didn't expect, and it definitely wasn't what I wanted. And I believe oftentimes that's what it's like when it comes to the favor of God. It's something we ask for. It's something that we want. But more often than not, when we actually receive it, it doesn't look like anything we thought it would be. So what exactly is God's favor? Well, if you look it up, the definition is an attitude of liking or approval, friendly regard, it's an approving consideration, gracious kindness. So God's favor then looks like his gracious kindness, his liking, his approval. And to be favored means to be endued with his grace. How many of you know that sounds good, amen? Like we want the favor of God, but somehow along the way it's translated into the favor of God, meaning promotions, gifts, have you ever prayed for favor when you're trying to park your car, right? Anyone honest? Amen. Like, you start praying in tongues. Give me the favor in this parking spot, especially in Queens, because I don't think they exist for some reason here. And, and, and somehow that's what the favor of God has become. It sounds nice, so why wouldn't you want that if that's favor? But yet, I want all of us to understand, and I think we do based on our own experiences, that the favor of God doesn't always look like that. More often than not, his favor isn't what we expected, nor is it what we think it is. And it's not really what we asked for. Because in actuality, his favor sometimes looks more like tests and failures than it does success. But in the moment, we don't want it because it's difficult, it, it's hard. But I want you to know this, favor is exactly what you need in order for you to get what you want in the long run. But in the moment, it will be difficult. Sometimes it's his favor that closes doors rather than opens them. Sometimes it's his favor that keeps you waiting. And I think sometimes the most merciful thing God can do for us is to keep us waiting. Right? Waiting isn't comfortable, it isn't easy, but yet sometimes it's his mercy that does that. Now don't get me wrong, I believe God does want to bless you, amen? God does want to provide. God does want to heal. God does want to come through in, in your wildest ways. But yet sometimes God breaks in order to build. And sometimes God hurts in order to heal. So leading up to this uh, gathering, I've been listening to this song called Wrecking Ball. Not the Miley Cyrus one. But there's this Christian artist. Her name is Jill Phillips. And this is what she says in her song. She says that only God could be both the builder and the wrecking ball. But isn't that what God is kind of like? That he comes, he builds, and then all of a sudden, for whatever reason, he knocks it all down because his desire is to build it back up stronger than it ever was before. And sometimes that's what favor is. It's not promotion after promotion, but it's 
you know, hurt, disappointment, waiting, delays, whatever it looks like. But yet God's heart in all of this is to never harm us. Amen. Right? At the end of the day, God is good. God is good. Amen. But in life, we will face hurts, but his desire is to never harm us. Jeremiah 29 verse 11 says, for he has plans for us, a future, a purpose, and he doesn't seek to harm us. Did you know that there's a difference between hurt and harm? Did you know that? There's a difference between hurt and harm. Let's say for whatever reason, Danny here, who's on our team, he's an amazing man of God. Let's say he has a secret sugar addiction. Whenever we're not looking, he's eating candy. He's drinking soda nonstop. And, and eventually, he'll find himself with cavities, right? If you go to the dentist, it's the worst. But if you don't take care of your cavities, are with me, it will harm you in the long run. In order for you to fix the cavity in the moment, it might hurt, amen? It might hurt, but that's the process of getting rid of that which will harm us in the long run. In life, you might face hurts, but I want you to understand that his heart is to never harm you. So when it comes to favor, things aren't always automatic. It doesn't work the way that we want it to. And just because there is favor on your life, I believe I'm speaking to a room full of people that has favor on their life. Amen? But it's not automatic. There are no guarantees. So in the passage we read together tonight, it speaks about Mary. I'm sure all of us know Mary, especially in the season of Christmas. And in the Bible, the, the angel of the Lord comes and he says to her, you who are highly favored of the Lord. So I want you to get this, that Mary doesn't just have favor, but she's highly favored. Do you know that term is, isn't found for anyone else except Mary in all of the scriptures? Isn't that wild? So that's why at that statement, when the angel of the Lord comes, he says, you all who are highly favored, the Bible tells us that she was taken aback, that she was actually troubled by this greeting because she was so confused that anyone would ever consider her to be favored. It's something that she's never heard before in her life. Why? Because in that time and culture, the only people believed to have favor on their life were rabbis and men of wealth. So for a young woman like her to be considered favored, it didn't make sense culturally. It, it didn't look like anything. It, she was probably the most unlikely person, an unusual person to ever be considered highly favored. She was not qualified at all in any human terms because here's the thing about Mary. She's most likely an uneducated, poor girl, no older than 14, from this small town called Nazareth. In the Bible, it says, what good can come from Nazareth? And that's who Mary was. So check this out. It wasn't a princess in the palace that God went looking for, but rather a peasant girl in a pit that God called highly favored. Because his favor doesn't work the way that we think it is. So she didn't earn God's favor. She didn't do anything. She didn't achieve it. She didn't perform. But yet it was just showed upon her, given to her, because at the end of the day, it's all by grace. The reason why there's favor on your life isn't because you've done 21 consecutive QTs. You made it somehow through the book of Numbers. You even read Leviticus and God's like, now you have favor. No, it's not something we could possibly earn, but it's a result of grace. Religion says, I must try and earn God's favor, but the gospel says Jesus already earned it on our behalf. 
Grace and favor must be received like a gift. Do you know what makes a gift no longer a gift? It's when you try to earn it. The moment you try to earn some, a gift, it ceases to be a gift. Another way a gift ceases to be a gift is when you try to pay it back. A gift is simply meant to receive. So turn to your neighbor and say, just receive. I just receive. So back to the story in verse 30, when she hears this, she, she replies and says, no, no way. I think you got the wrong person. I'm not the one that has favor. And the angel has to reply, don't be afraid. God is with you. I think that's God's promise to us in light of every single fear we might face. I mean, think about it. Moses, he's leading the people of Israel out. They're, they're always complaining. They're always, you know, I don't know what that was, but they're always complaining. They're always messing up. He doesn't know what to do. And what's God's promise? He's not like, yo, you got this. Instead, his promise is, I'll be with you. I'll be with you. If God is for you, who can be against you? His promise to us in fear is I'm with you. So when she hears this, we have to once again see it from the fresh perception, first, fresh, what am I saying? Right? Fresh perspective rather than the Christmas story we're so used to. Because favor comes into our life and it doesn't make her life easier in any way, but instead it asks her to do something impossible, something insane, because God says to her, you're going to have birth, the son of the living God. Now, we all know the Christmas story, but let's think about what it's like to be in her shoes. She's like, say what now? I'm going to give birth to God? It doesn't make sense at all. So obviously her response is, "Um, God, how is this possible? I'm a virgin. I'm not even married yet. And, And at that statement, God's like, oh, shoot, I forgot. My bad. I'll come back when it's more convenient or logical. No, instead, God is wanting her to step, uh, cause her to go outside of her comfort zone, outside of what's even possible, logical, or convenient, because that's what favor looks like on our life. Now, check this out. What's the point of favor on your life if your life is going to look like everyone else's? Or can we be real for a moment? Why would you need God's favor if your life is going to look no different than anyone else's in the world? If you're just going to be normal, if you're just going after success, if your goal is status quo, why would you even need God to be with you? What difference would it make if there was favor on your life, if it's only to fulfill your own purposes? I think many times the reason why we want favor is so that we could build our own empire rather than God's kingdom. But the thing is, true favor will put a demand on your life. That's why it's something we ask for, but it's not exactly what we want because it challenges us to go outside of our comfort zone. And speaking of comfort zone, do you know why the Holy Spirit is known as the comforter? Right, because he has some cool titles, right? He's the advocate, he's the teacher, and he's the helper. He's the comforter. Why is he the comforter? Because For you to truly be led by the Holy Spirit means you have to go outside your comfort zone. But if you're clinging to your comfort zone, you don't need a comforter. In the same way, if you're going to do nothing with the favor of God except make it about you, 
why would you even need his favor? Right? Favor isn't for our comforts. It's not so that we could do church week after week and go through the motions. And I believe you're here because that's not you, amen? Right? You gave up a Saturday night in December because you're wanting something more. And I believe God is going to give you what you've been looking for. And I want to encourage you, just because it doesn't look like the way you thought it would, doesn't mean God didn't hear you when you asked him for his favor. Right, so favor comes, and the best of God will always stretch us, will always require faith, will make us be, be uncomfortable, it'll be crazy. And so how do we then step out with his favor? You know, Mary obviously asks, what must I do? What, what's going to happen? How do I do this? And the angel of the Lord replies, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. Come on, if we're going to step out and do the impossible, we need the Holy Spirit to overshadow us. We need his power. We need his presence. I believe A.W. Tozer is the one who said that if you look in the book of Acts, everything they did was led by the Holy Spirit. But today, 95% of what we do is led by our programs and agendas rather than the Spirit. I think it's time for us as the people of God who have been given favor to really allow the Holy Spirit to overshadow us as we head into the new year. What do we need him to do in our lives so that we could do what he's asked us to do? So what God is doing, I want you to check this out. In verse 36, the angel of the Lord says, the Holy Spirit must overshadow you. And the following verse, he goes on to give a testimony of what God is already doing. Now, Mary's cousin is Elizabeth, and she's old in age, and she is experiencing a miracle. They have been barren for years and years and years, and yet, all of a sudden, the angel of the Lord comes, and they're able to conceive a child. So here's what the angel says. Your cousin Elizabeth, whom they said was unable to conceive, it was impossible for her to be a mom, but she's six months pregnant right now. What does that mean? God is already on the move. Amen? Six months pregnant because it's bigger than just us. I want you to understand that God is moving in this region like never before. I recently talked to a, a pastor friend of mine, and he just started sharing with me some of the things that he's hearing that's happening in Manhattan. That supposedly there's this organic church movement of house churches where people are trying to figure out you know, who's leading it, which denomination, which organization, but it's people from all different backgrounds and races and ethnicities, and it's something that God is doing. I want you to know God is already moving in this region. It's bigger than us. It's bigger than pursuit, but our privilege is that we simply get to play a part in what God wants to do. Isn't that the glory and the honor of it all is that, man, I get to be here when God just shows up. I mean, the privilege of, of someone like myself who, who preaches, you know, every once in a while, it's not that I get to speak, but I get to be in the same room when God decides to show up. God is already on the move. Elizabeth is already six months pregnant, and he's inviting us to be a part of it with the favor that's already on our lives with the favor that's already on our lives. So with that, he wants to do the impossible through you. Verse 37, for no word from God will ever fail. And I love it in the ESV, nothing is impossible for God. Nothing is impossible. I think for us as believers, it should be normal for us to dream big and supernaturally. Amen? Like as believers, 
It should be normal for us to see mountains move. I mean, we sang it tonight. Bodies being healed, giants being slayed. You know, we didn't even coordinate it. I'm just riding the anointing that's on that man's life right now, right? I mean, it should be normal for us not to just sing it, but to declare it and to believe it and to put our action behind it. Because the Bible says our faith is dead without works. Now, here's the thing oftentimes that people get stuck on when it comes to works and faith and all these different things. In the Bible, it says, work out your salvation. What does that look like? You simply work out what God has already worked in. So that it's not you taking the initiative, earning it, but it's simply replying and responding to his grace. I think when we think about the plans of God, we want it to be this linear path that we can understand. We want it to be A, you know, for example, I go to seminary. B, I start up as a youth pastor. C, I graduate to an EM pastor. And and D, you know, but the reality of God is it's A. You're like, all right, awesome. B, it's like, okay, I think I got it. And then he takes you to J. You're like, what are we doing here, Lord? And then he takes you to D, but it's like, but D's behind, you know, why am I going back? Like, somehow that's just the plan of God. And I realize the reason why is because God isn't taking us on a straight path, but oftentimes the grace of God leads us in a dance. It's one step following his step. It looks like, you know, all over the place because he's leading you in a dance. Because I want you to know you're going to get to the purpose of God that's on your life, not by striving, but by resting. And oftentimes you just rest and enjoy the dance with the Lord. Now back to the story, the angel of the Lord says nothing will be impossible for God. And I think for us, it's so easy for us to say, of course, it makes total sense. You know, Jesus is the reason for the season. Of course, Mary would say yes to this thing. But imagine how costly it is to actually say yes to the Lord in this moment. Once again, she's no older than 14. She's just trying to live her life as faithfully as she can. But there's a heaviness that comes to the favor that's on your life. I want to ask someone from the worship team to come up and help me close this thing. It's amazing. Now, because here's the thing. It's the kindness of God. It's the faithfulness of God. I believe it's his mercy that he would come interrupt our plans in order to get us to our purpose. Because Mary's, her plan is to simply get married. Her plan is to simply, you know, just be a faithful wife. But yet God comes, interrupts it all, changes everything in order for her to say yes to what God really has. I want you to know when you feel like there's all these doors closing in your face, It's not because there isn't favor. It might be because there is. Because he'll interrupt your plans. I think there's a saying that says, you know, if if you want to make God laugh, show him your plans. Right? But he'll interrupt them in order to get us to our purpose. Now, Mary, we could romanticize her life, her story. But, yo, she isn't a Disney princess. This isn't like, oh, my gosh, it's hard. They go through it, and now it's easy. It's not a rags to riches story, but rather it's a rags to on the run. But that's what happens in the Bible. She says, yes, she gets pregnant, but she has to be on the run because the king under the influence of the enemy is killing every single baby that's under the age of two. So now they're on the run. I mean, think about this for a moment. 
God says to her, you're about to give birth to my son, the savior of the world. Don't you think that, oh my gosh, I'm going to have the easiest birth of all times. You know, I'm going to have 21st century technology, even though this is first century Israel. But she has the baby where in a barn. I want you to know saying yes to God isn't romantic, easy or anything, but it's so costly. But it's worth saying yes to. Now, once again, when it comes to the favor of God, we make it about the dreams that God has placed in my heart. I can't imagine Mary ever dreaming. You know what I want to do one day? I want to give birth to God. Like, how do you even dream something like that? Right? She's not thinking any of these things. Favor wasn't about her dreams. It was actually about her laying down them for the sake of God's dreams. She's putting pause on all the things that's on her heart. I mean, you know, like she's probably thinking, man, I want to have a nice wedding, but now even that might not happen. Because check this out. Joseph hears that Mary's pregnant. Like, what do you do with that, right? He's like, yo, honey, I'm pregnant. It's like, all right, it's over. You know, like, but because the Bible says Joseph was a good man, he's like, you know what? I don't want to disgrace this girl. She's obviously lying, you know? I'm just going to quietly divorce her and, and because, you know, I don't want any dishonor to come. Like, this man was about to end it so quickly that the angel of God had to convene, right? He had to intervene, be like, yo, listen, I know she just said something crazy, but it's really me. He's like, okay, okay. Like, an angel of the Lord had to intervene. Like, it was a marriage crisis moment. Because he was about to end it. I mean, that was what was at stake. But think about even the, the rumors that Mary would have had to live with her whole life. Like, it makes sense to us, but think about this for a moment. Who is actually going to believe, yo, you're pregnant with the Son of God? Like, imagine you go to church tomorrow and someone says, hey, the Holy Spirit came over me and now I'm pregnant. You'll be like... You start praying in tongues. You start doing a deliverance. But think about it. Like, she has to live with that rumor, that stain on her character. Yo, there goes that girl who said she was the mother of the God. You know, like, that's what's really at stake for her to say yes to God. They run for their lives. There's trials. There's tests. There's waiting. There's misunderstanding. There's pain. And the worst of all, she has to see her son die on a cross. And what's it like then for her waiting 33 long years to see, is he actually God? I've seen him do some miracles, but is he actually God? Imagine even the pressure that's on her. Like, how do I mother God, you know? How do I nurture God, you know? There's all these different things and then there's common perception of what the Messiah would do. Because I'm sure she had the same ideas as well. I mean, everyone in that time did. Jesus didn't follow any rules. And I think it's in those moments where Romans chapter 5 speaks straight into our heart. It says we glory in our tests and our trials and our suffering. Why? Because it produces within us perseverance. And perseverance produces character. And character produces Hope. 
And it's a hope that will never put us to shame. I want you to know that sometimes waiting is as important as what you're waiting for. How we wait reveals what we're able to actually receive. Waiting sometimes is as important as what we're waiting for. So imagine what Mary is thinking. Is this really what favor looks like? Is this really what it means to be highly favored? All the price she has to pay, all the heartaches, all of the misunderstanding, whatever. And this is what I realized. Favor often doesn't look like favor on this side of heaven. Favor doesn't look like favor on this side of heaven. Sometimes life isn't fair. Sometimes there are more downs and there are ups, but that's favor at times. Who here has heard the phrase favor ain't fair before? Right? That's usually when you order a, a, you know, a small coffee, but you end up with the large. You're like, favor ain't fair, y'all. But sometimes favor literally isn't fair because of what it puts you through. I think someone needs to hear this tonight. The rejection you've been experiencing is actually God's protection. I don't know who that's for, but man's rejection is God's protection. That's for someone tonight. And you might be thinking, maybe it's because there's something wrong with me. No, it's because there's favor on your life. That's what favor really looks like. Favor doesn't mean we don't face hard times. It just means we get through it every single time. I mean, it's easy if the trial is momentary. But once again, the story takes over 30 years to get there. Isn't that like God? If you're here tonight and you've been waiting, I want you to know you're in good company. That's what God does. He keeps us waiting. God, when is this favor going to work out? I don't see it. It doesn't make any sense. This isn't what I asked for. It's not what I expected. But yet, back to the word of the Lord, I am favored and he is with me. When you're really about following the Lord, sometimes you can't see. It doesn't make sense. You can't hear. But one thing you can do is remember. You can remember. And that's the amazing thing about the story of Mary is that it says that she treasured these words in her heart. I want you to know that's how you build history with the Lord. Because only those who build history with God in the secret place, God will use you to make history in the public place. And it's those moments where we keep going back to the promise, keep going back to his word. No, I am favored. He is with me. This is what he said. It's a process, it's waiting. And his reward is always greater than any price we could ever pay. I want you to get this. The pain that you are facing in the moment is temporary, but what God produces within you is eternal. But the Bible tells us it's a weight of glory that, that doesn't perish. In Peter it says that it's a faith that's of worth of more than gold itself. And I thought about that for a moment about faith, right? Because if you read the book of Revelations, it says that the streets are paved with gold. How many of you guys have read that before? Our gates are made with pearls and, and all these different things. So in heaven, for whatever reason, there's an abundance of gold. I don't know the theological implications of that. 
This is what I do know. But the Bible says our faith is of worth more than gold. Why? In heaven, faith is rare. Why is that? Because guess what? In heaven, you don't need faith for a miracle. You don't need faith for a breakthrough. You don't need faith for a healing. That's why it's so precious, because it's rare. That's what our faith is. And I believe it's oftentimes it's those testing moments that he produces faith within us. The price paid is temporary, but what's gained is forever. And I want you to know it's going to be worth it. Amen. It's bigger than your current situation or circumstance. Now, as we look ahead to 2020, I made this up in my heart. where I've made up my mind where I don't want a circumstantial prayer life any longer. Where my prayer is determined by my circumstances. Man, if I'm in a tough time, you pray a lot. But once you're out, you don't pray as much. But I don't want a circumstantial prayer life. I don't want to pray hedging my bets. I don't know about you, but I do that so often. You know, I say, God, do this, but I have all these plans to, to make up for just in case he doesn't move. But I don't want to pray like that anymore. And I want to pray like I've never had a prayer go unanswered. I want to pray without being jaded. Because if I'm honest, that's what I notice in myself. That I pray these prayers because that's what I do. But at the end of the day, I don't actually think it makes a difference. But y'all, I'm done with that in 2020, amen. I want to pray big, bold, courageous, hope-filled prayers. Because once again, in the midst of it all, God says, I am with you. Jesus' promises, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. You are not forgotten. So back to the story in verse 38. Look at Mary's response. I'm sure her thoughts are, yeah, I, I didn't sign up for this. But her response is, you are my Lord. I am your servant. Let your word to me be fulfilled. Let your word to me be fulfilled. And this is what she says, I am your servant. You know what that means? That this isn't a business deal between equal partners. It's I'm simply going to obey whatever you want me to do, no matter the cost. I don't know what your journey is going to look like when you say yes I don't know how long it's going to take, but I want you to know it's going to be worth it. And it starts by saying yes. Jesus wants to enter into your spheres and influence through you. He wants to come in alive inside of you and through you. He wants to give you favor. Now, I want to say this real quick about the favor of God. It's so interesting because you can grow in favor. When it comes to the favor of God, I know it's not by works, it's not, you don't earn it, you don't achieve it, but you can grow in it. It says that the prophet Samuel grew in stature and favor with the Lord and with people. Even more amazingly, later on in this book, in Luke chapter 2, verse 52, it says Jesus grew in wisdom, stature, and favor with God and man. If Jesus had to grow in favor, not just with me. I mean, I understand growing in favor with man. But Jesus grew in favor also with God. If anything, then that's an invitation for us to say, I can grow in this favor. One quick thing I want to say about, about that before we move on, to give you some more practical things, is the way you grow in favor is to actually use the favor that you already have. 
Most times we think if there's favor, then I need to have it all. I mean, I think for us to be able to have this gathering and to have all of you here is a miracle. Now, this sanctuary isn't packed, but we had days when there were seven people, including me and the worship team. And I could easily say, man, there's no favor. But I think favor grew because we just work with what we already had. Because that's what saying yes looks like. So the question I want to ask you is, what is God birthing in you that will change the world around you? Because that's what it is right now. I think that's what we can get from the story of Mary. What is God birthing in you that will change the world around you? Just a little bit about my own personal story. Ever since I got saved in high school, you know, I heard so many times from pastors, from leaders, from random missionaries and all whatever, and they would say, Sam, there's favor on your life. I'm like, yeah, there is. There's favor on your life. There's a calling on your life. There's a purpose on your life. But my life hasn't looked like, man, promotion, blessing, you know, glory to glory. I mean, it has, but the two part should actually say it's, it's, it's hell in between. Right? It's glory, then hell, then glory. But that's what it should say. But my life hasn't looked like the way I thought it would because I had my own idea and perception of what favor was supposed to look like. There's a lot more suffering, worrying, wondering, waiting, confusing. God, am I even called? Like, how can this be favor if my life doesn't even make sense? And I remember one time, you know, 2012, it was, it was right before, you know, a couple years before we started this ministry, but I was in this place where I heard I was favored, I heard there was a calling, and I was at this house of prayer, and, and I don't know how to describe it, but I just felt just like not myself. I felt like I, you know, my soul was like coming outside of my body, but not in a good way. You know, I don't know if that makes sense. I, I just felt so uncomfortable and, and uneasy and anxious and in pain. And I just sat there. I'm like, what is happening? I thought I was favored. And this is what's, what God came to me and said, Sam, what you are experiencing right now is the discomfort of being pregnant with the promises of God. This is part of the birthing pain. This is the discomfort of carrying something that's bigger than you. This is what the Lord said to me, and I want to share it with you tonight. He said, Sam, you've had promises in the past that were either aborted or miscarried. But what I'm about to birth through you, I'm going to deliver it myself. So I want you to wait through the discomfort. Now, I was shocked because I'm a man, you know, first of all, right? Like, what? Pregnant with the promise of God? What does that even mean? But I felt so much discomfort. And through that process of pain, of waiting, of wondering, of saying, is this favor, God took us to this place. And by no means have we arrived or achieved or made it or anything like that. But this is what God is doing through many of, our, of, of us that are gathered here tonight. That if it's uncomfortable, maybe it's uncomfortable on purpose. If you're waiting... Maybe you're waiting on purpose. Because that's the thing about God, that He never wastes any of our times. He doesn't wait any of our times. 
I've been reading this book called Anonymous recently, and one of it, it talks about struggling with feeling like we're not achieving the fullness of what God has for us. And the way the author described it is, did Jesus ever feel like God was keeping him from his full potential? Have you ever felt that before? Like, man, God, if you would only open these doors, if you would only allow me to get the microphone and preach at my church, or God, if I would only get this promotion, then all these things could happen. And I feel like by you keeping me waiting, you're just wasting my potential. You're wasting my time. Isn't that our greatest struggle? Is that we don't think God is actually good. I don't know about you, but that's my greatest struggle. God, are you actually good? Because if you were actually good, then you would do these things for me. Do you really have good plans for my life? I think you're just wasting my potential. But here's the thing about potential. And Pastor Michael Todd, he says it better than me. But he says that Jesus never fulfilled his potential. Think about that for a moment. He is God himself. The Bible says that he is the word. And the word was from the beginning. If you look later in Colossians, I think it says through Jesus, everything was created. I mean, he has the potential to do anything. I mean, the first miracle he did was turn water into wine. I think that means he could turn like the ocean into Kool-Aid, you know, like whatever. I mean, he has the potential to do anything. But yet he didn't fulfill his potential, but he did fulfill his purpose. And how did that happen? By following the steps of the Lord, including waiting. The Bible says Jesus learned obedience by what? By what he suffered. I want you to know that Jesus didn't learn obedience when he suffered on the cross. Because that means he learned it at the end of his life. I mean, one of the things that he learned that was suffering was actually this word we no longer use anymore and a word we definitely don't like, which is long-suffering. Imagine what it's like to have the power of the universe in your hands. I mean, you could speak things into being, but you simply had to wait. He learned obedience through that long suffering of waiting. I think someone needs to hear this tonight. That obedience is simply saying, God, I'll wait until you want me to move. And how does that happen? Through brokenness. Brokenness, I think the best example of it is a horse. Only a horse that's been broken will only respond to its master. Doesn't matter how strong the horse is, how fast the strong horse is, if it hasn't been broken, you can't ride that thing into war because it will only respond and react to its surrounding circumstances. But a horse that's been broken will only be led by its master. And sometimes that looks like waiting. Now, I just want to keep reiterating the reason why some of you are waiting is because there's favor on your life, not because there isn't. And if you're like me, 
you've heard messages on favor. Maybe you've even received personal prophetic words that there was favor on your life. But for me, more often than not, that looked like a rug being pulled underneath me, getting sucker punched in the gut by life, you know? All these different things. But yet, it's his favor that trusts us with suffering. I want to be so favored by God that, man, he can trust me with suffering. I have so much favor with God. He could send anything my way because he can trust me with suffering. So as we look ahead to 2020, we absolutely need his favor, amen. Not because our life is gonna be easier, not because, man, we're believing for jobs and promotions, and, and, and bigger salaries so we could give more to the church. No, man, we need his favor because he's about to unleash us into purpose. And tonight, I simply want us to then respond. So I think some of us, we just need to stop rebelling and running away and come back to a place where we just say yes. That is, in fact, favor. And I've been running because it hasn't gone the way I wanted to. But tonight, I want to repent and say yes. Others of us, it's just recommitting that yes and to simply have the response like Mary and say, Lord, I am your servant and let it be to me according to your word. We don't have to figure it out. We don't have to make sense of it. All we have to do is just say yes to here I am, your servant. So Father God, I thank you right now you're giving us a word of encouragement because Lord I believe this is a room full of people who do have the favor of the Lord and just like for Mary just like for so many in, in the word of people who were called who did have favor it didn't look like it at all but Lord we want to have the proper perspective so that we could give you the yes that you deserve. How we want to be like Mary. When we might be taken aback, it's not what we signed up for, it's not what we asked for, it's not what we expected. It changes our plans, it makes us uncomfortable, it puts us on the run, it means that we're going to be misunderstood. It means that there's just more challenges and obstacles along the way. But Father God, no matter what, our response to you is the same. I am your servant. Let it be to me according to your word. According to your word. So I feel like even now God is asking you tonight. You who are favored. You who are highly favored, what will you do with this invitation from the Lord? God, we want to count the cost for real tonight. We want to count the cost for real tonight. Because favor on this side of heaven doesn't always look like favor. But 
we want to say yes. Come on, if God is speaking to you, I want to invite you to just come just up to the altar and let's just respond in faith. Let's just get ourselves in a posture that says, here I am, Lord, a servant. Do to me as you please, whatever you want to do. Come on, there's people already responding. But can we just give him that as we close out 2019? Can we just come back to the Lord? We just commit. Some of you need to just stop.